Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. And I'm excited today to be starting a brand new four-week series called All In. And uh, what we are going to be talking about these next few weeks is significant in the sense that if we can apply this to our lives, I believe it can make for a great church, can make for a great life, can make for a great family. Amen. I think that's what we all want, right? One of uh, Jesus' most well-known commands was when he said, go into all the world, make disciples. Tell everybody about me, baptize them, teach them about me. We commonly refer to that one as the Great Commission. But there's also another command, something known as the Great Commandment. And it's Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, there was a day when Jesus was being challenged, as he so often was, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were the religious leaders of that day, and they were challenging him with questions about the commandments of God. They were always trying to trip Jesus up, always trying to see if they could get him to fall or to make some kind of a mistake. And uh, Jesus, in the setting of the scripture I'm getting ready to read to you, Jesus had just taught a parable about some evil farmers who had killed a man and stolen his land. And these religious leaders were mad at Jesus because they knew that he was talking about them. (laughs) Now, have you ever been in a situation where you kind of knew somebody was talking about you, but you couldn't really prove it? But you kind of knew they were talking about you, and you made, made you feel a little bit salty, right? You can't prove it, but you know it. Well, that's just one of those situations. They knew Jesus was talking about them. And so they were mad, and they were still trying to ask all kinds of questions, wanting to make him stumble. And I want to focus on one of the questions in particular, and we're going to be looking at this these next few weeks. Here it is. It's in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, if you have your Bibles. It says this, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. And he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And notice verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So one of them had said, you know, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And without blinking an eye, Jesus says the most important one is this. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Now, one of the words in these passages that really is incredibly an important word that jumps out throughout these verses is the word all. Everybody say all. All. Of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Jesus says this one. And then he says you're to love God with all. All what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. 
So that's what we're going to be talking about these next four weeks, going all in with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to encourage you, make a commitment to not miss any of these services. Come, be present. I believe it's going to be a blessing to your life. Because if this really is the greatest commandment, and Jesus said it was, then it ought to be one of our life's greatest priorities, right? Jesus said nothing is more important than the way that you and I love God in our lives. Love God with all. All. He doesn't say love the Lord your God with half your heart or most of your heart or every Sunday. He doesn't say love the Lord your God every year at the Christmas program and on Easter. Amen. He says love the Lord your God with all your heart all the time. We've got to be in love and in this, all the way in this, for Jesus Christ. As believers, we want to learn to love God in a deeper way. And the key to greatness in anything, your personal relationships, your career, your personal integrity, is by being all in, right? And it begins with your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it all starts. And it is worth your time, my time, to develop that kind of love. And we have the capacity, we have the potential to develop that kind of love because God has wired us that way. We have incredible potential within us to love God. Now, why do we have that potential? It's because God created us for that purpose. We were made to love him, to glorify him. And by the way, Jesus will never ask you to do something you can't do. If you read all the commands of Jesus in the New Testament, not one of them is Jesus saying, here's something you can shoot for, but you're never really going to be able to do it. <laughs> he never goes, here's a goal you can aim at, but by the way, you're never going to reach that goal. He never does that to us. There are always things that he knows that we are capable of doing, and he encourages us to reach for that. So how do we build an all-out love for the Lord? How do we build a love that occupies most of your waking thoughts? A love that will impact the majority of your decisions. That kind of a love. A love that causes you to consider Christ in every matter first. Amen. What would an all-in kind of love do in us? It would be a love that would energize your life. It would be a love that would rearrange your priorities. Amen. It would be a love that affects your choices, that guides your decision-making. All in will always involve these four things that Jesus talked about. And he made it very clear. It's going to involve your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. What am I talking about? Your heart, first of all. Your heart has to do with your feelings, right? God wants us to love with all our heart, the way that we feel, the emotions in our life, that's a part of who we are. He also wants us to love him with our mind or our thoughts. Not only with your feelings, but with your thoughts as well. He also wants us to love him with all of our soul. That means a lot of things, but it really focuses in on our deciding power, our will. Have you ever thought about loving God with the way that you make every decision in your life? We're going to talk about that because Jesus challenged us to do that. He also said, I want you to love God with all your strength or your action. See, that's the places in life where you're putting most of your energy. So today, I want us to take a look at the first 
one of the four. Loving God with all of your heart. How do we love God with all of our heart? And, and, and we can start by looking at a guy in the Bible who was flawed, but also demonstrated how to love God with all your heart. See, there was a guy who wrote one of the most popular books in the Bible. It was written primarily by him, with a, a few chapters being exceptions. A guy by the name of David. Anybody ever heard of David? Amen. David was called a man after God's own heart, even though we know that David was not a man who was perfect by any means. No stretch of the imagination, right? He was far from perfect. Yet God continued and continually looked at him and said, this guy has got the kind of heart that pleases me. Even with all of his imperfections, he was the kind of person whose heart always seemed full. Now, what was it about David that made him, you know, have that kind of a heart, that made him have a heart for God? You can get a little insight into David by looking at the words that he said to his son Solomon. Solomon was the guy who succeeded him as king of Israel. But look what David said to his son in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. He said, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. He said, Solomon, you need to learn to know God and know him intimately. Serve God with your whole heart. Serve God with a willing mind. Because the Lord sees every heart. He knows every plan. He knows every thought. The Lord, Lord searches every heart. He understands our motives behind our thoughts. You know what? Think about it this way. You might as well serve God with wholehearted devotion because he already knows your heart and your thoughts anyway. Right? You cannot fake God out. Why serve God with a half a heart? You can't fake him out if you're going to serve him. Love him. Do it with your whole heart. Give him everything you can. So there's some things I think we can learn about from David's life, some examples that I want to share with you today, some practical things that you and I can do to go all in by loving God with all your heart. Here's the first one I want to mention to you. Talk to God or express your heart. Everybody say talk. Talk to God. See, you can do this through prayer. You can do this through worship. You can do this through conversations with the Lord. You can do this through meditation and through thoughts, through quiet time, or even through not-so-quiet time, right? Worship and praise to the Lord. Look at examples of David throughout the book of Psalms. He talked to God often and out loud. Everybody say out loud. Look what he said in Psalm 3 and 4. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Now, a lot of times when you and I talk to God, it's like we're talking to him with a mute button on, right? You know, you might be watching TV, you hit the mute button, and what happens? People's lips are still moving, but you can't hear what they're saying. Now, don't get me wrong. God can read or hear every thought that you have. But I want to tell you something. There is something powerful about giving voice to your thoughts. Come on, somebody, about articulating with your mouth what you want to say to God. 
I want to help somebody with this. Have you ever been talking to somebody and, you know, they're just kind of beating around the bush, you know, kind of just mully-grubbing around, hem-hawing around without really saying what they want to say? It, it's a little bit annoying, isn't it? You know, you just want some of you want to look at this. Will you just say what you want to say? Can you just get it out? <laughs> Would you just tell me what you're really feeling? Or maybe, maybe you're that kind of person. You know, you just hold it all in, and you let it play out in your mind, and, and, and you're just rolling it around. Hear me, folks, there is something powerful about saying something out loud. Have you ever wondered if God is just looking at us and going, would you just say it? <laughs> would you please just spit it out? Would you just express what you're feeling? Because I already know what's in your heart. Express it to me. Because hear me, folks, something powerful happens when you release those words in prayer. Hear me. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not the son of a counselor. But I guarantee you any counselor worth their salt will let you know that you need to say what you are feeling, not just think what you are feeling. Why do you think they sit there and listen to you? Why do you think they don't just roll out a diagnosis or write a prescription or say, hey, do these three steps and you're going to be better? No, they want you to express what you are feeling because hear me, something powerful happens, something is unlocked inside of us when we express what we feel. Amen. We used to sing a church, and when I was growing up, a kid in church, I, I thought about this song this morning. We used to sing this song in church, powerful lyrics. You ready? Don't, don't miss them. You might need to get a pen so you can remember all these lyrics. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Oh, call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Anybody know it? Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line now. He's on the main line. And then because we really wanted to make it intellectual, we added some extra words. If you need the Holy Ghost, tell him what you want. If you need the Holy Ghost, tell him what you want. Then if you need a healing, if you need salvation, if you need some donuts, whatever. Amen. <laughs> if you want this song to stop, tell him what you want. <laughs> you know what? Simple lyrics, but a powerful thought. What you feel, tell him what you want. Say it express it. It's a way, come on, we're talking about a heart connection. It's a way to express your heart to God, to love him with all your heart, to release it from your heart. Something powerful happens when you say what you're feeling. Any married couple can say amen. You can roll around. You can, well, you can just be marinating in your juices. You can be all salty and bad, and you just, oh, man, I can't believe they don't know what I'm feeling right now. You know, folks, some of you, we have ESPN, we don't have ESP, right? You know, and, and, but you got to get it out. You got to say it. Call him up and tell him what you want. Express it. Talk about it. Expressing your heart is one way that you love God with all of your heart. David had the quality of being able to tell God, talk to God about what was really happening in his heart. Matter of fact, read the Psalms. I'm going to give you a paraphrase of most of the Psalms. Are you ready? Here's what they look. At the beginning of the Psalm, David is usually mad or sad. He's either mad or he's discouraged, one or another. 
He's either mad as a snake or he's in the ditch as low as he could go. And what does he do? He tells God about it for 5, 10, 15 verses. He begins to work through it. He begins to express it. And what happens by the end of the verse? Lord, you're so great. I love you. I thank you for being there for me. Come on. He expresses it to God. By the end of the verse, his life has changed. God changes his heart because he was able to express his heart. Wouldn't it be great if 10 or 15 minutes of talking to the Lord can change your life? I got good news for you. It can. It can change your life. See, for some of you, hear me, for some of you, you've never talked to God out loud about some of the struggles and difficulties that you've been having for years. Maybe you feel ashamed. Maybe you're hurt. Maybe it's whatever. You're still suffering with the same emotions because you've never told him how you feel. You know how to love God with all your heart? Psalm 15, 1, 17, David was in the middle of one of his big crises. He's talking to God about probably one of the biggest sins he ever committed, his sin with Bathsheba, because it wasn't just that. There was a ripple effect that caused all kinds of problems in so many people's lives. And you know what he said to God in the middle of all that chaos? He said, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not ignore. God, I messed up. But a broken and contrite heart, you won't ignore. See, when you come to God with a broken heart about your sin, he will not ignore you. He will forgive you. When you say the truth about your life out loud, there's something powerful about that. It reminds you uh, not only of that truth, but about God's ability to work in the middle of that, that truth. We need to do what David did. Go to God with confidence in your relationship with God and say, don't just think it. Say, here is what is going on in my life right now. Trust me, you're not going to rattle God's cage. You're not going to make God nervous. You're not going to make God feel like, Ooh, I don't know if I can handle this. Oh, please don't dump this problem on me. I'm only God. No, no, no. You won't rattle God's cage. You, God will recognize that where you are. And saying it out loud is critically important. By the way, when you say it out loud, you don't have to be super loud. More volume does not necessarily equal greater anointing, amen? That's another sermon by itself, right? <laughs> but, but understand, God works within the confines of your personality. Just speak it. Speak what you're feeling. Talk to God about your weaknesses, your joys, your frustrations, your struggles, your need. I love how honest David was about expressing his feelings of weakness to the Lord. Look at Psalm 40 and 17. He said, but as for me, I am poor and needy. Oh, don't say that. David confessed. You're the head and not the tail. No, David just said, you know what? Right now I feel poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Tell God how you feel and watch him show up in the middle of your situation. Amen. Talk to God about his strength in your life. Amen. You know what we do so many times? We exaggerate our problems and we minimize God's greatness. Amen. Blah, 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 blah. Life is tough. This is bad. What, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe. And you know what? We forget to talk about the greatness of our God. Amen? Amen. David loved to brag on God's strength. 
Psalm 29, verse 3. Here's what he says about the Lord. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bear in his temple everybody shouts glory we need to start talking about how great our God is come on it will connect us our hearts to his hearts matter of fact right now why don't we just do that right now can you do that can you express how great your God is come on somebody in this house hallelujah with my mouth, God, I confess your greatness. I speak of your goodness. I proclaim your greatness in my life, Lord. Hallelujah. There's something powerful. There's something powerful. There's something powerful when we open our mouths. And we begin to proclaim the Lord's goodness. There's something powerful when we say, some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Come on, there's something powerful when we say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's something powerful about proclamation and expression. Don't just think it, but say it. So express your heart to God, the good and the bad. Here's the second way you can go all in with your heart. Picture God's presence. Picture God's presence. My wife is great with word pictures, and she's always done such a beautiful job with that all through our marriage. She'll write beautiful flowery cards telling me, you know, your love is like this, and you're like this. And, and I mean, it's just beautiful. And I look at her and go, I love you. That's about the best I could do, amen? I do a little better than that sometimes, but, but she's great with that. But you know what? you got to just picture God's presence in your life. Picture him working in your life. Picture, for example, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or lack, amen? Picture that, him guiding you, him strengthening you, him providing for you. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Picture that. The rest and the peace that his presence provides. David did it again and again, picturing what God can do. God is my rock. God is my fortress. God is my shield. God is the shelter that I need in my life. I can imagine David probably saw his enemies lined up, and he said, God is my deliverance. Amen. God is my bread. God is my water. Come on, somebody. Picture his presence in your life. Picture it. Visualize it. Experience it. I remember a few years ago when I preached my dad's funeral. It was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. And I've preached hundreds of funerals. But you know what? I could feel the Lord's presence with me as I stood in front of my dad's coffin talking about him to my family and his friends. 
I could picture the Lord's presence with me. And you know what? It helped me. I drove home that, that night. We drove home about five hours back home that night. I was emotionally drained. I was physically drained. I got in bed really, really late, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what it was. Got up early the next morning, came to church and preached. By the way, Rodney had offered to preach that day, but I just felt like I, I wanted to be home with my church family. I wanted to, I wanted to be in my element with, with God's people. That's, that was bringing me comfort. And I don't even remember what I preached that day. But you know what I do remember? I could sense the Lord's presence standing right on this platform with me. Now, you, that might sound weird to you. That's all right. Me and Jesus are like that. I can feel when he's really close by. Oh, hallelujah. I can feel him right now. Hallelujah. Standing there with me, giving me strength, helping me make it through that day. I can remember very vividly both of my daughters being born. And in that moment when they were coming into this world, I remember feeling the presence of God standing there with me in the corner of that room seeing these babies come into the world, these babies that he has blessed Robin and I to raise into beautiful young women of God. I remember God's presence there in those moments when I felt his presence. I could picture him standing right there in the room. This is going to sound funny to you, but I'm telling you, while I was this week on vacation and I was working on my sermon, by the way, preachers still have to prepare sermons when they're on vacation, amen. And I got up. And it was early on Tuesday morning. It was still dark outside. And I was sitting on my hotel room balcony. And I was out there and I had my laptop. And I literally was writing the words that I'm sharing with you right now. And I could feel like Jesus walked up right behind me. And I could feel him looking over my shoulder at my laptop. I'm telling you, I'm not making it up. I'm not trying to sound so spiritual. And it wasn't one of his angels. It wasn't one of his minions. It wasn't whatever that he's got helping him do his work. I felt Jesus standing right there. I could feel his presence. And I said, yeah, Lord, I'm going to tell them about that on Sunday. Some of you, you can picture his presence in the sunrise. At the beach when the waves come in. You can picture his presence when you're riding around right now looking at all the beautiful trees. I can really see him in the orange and the red. Amen. By the way, when you look around right now, how can you not see the greatness of God? Amen. I think October's trying to sneak up on September and become my favorite month. Amen. September's fighting it off. Amen. <coughs> but you've got to picture the presence of God. Maybe it's in the fog of a mountain morning. Maybe it's when the snow begins to fall. Maybe it's in the face of a baby. Picture his presence. Picture his character, Psalm 36. Picture his blessing, Psalm 24. Picture yourself in God's presence forever, Psalm 41. Maybe you've had a day where you're thinking, nobody cares about me. First of all, let me tell you, that's a lie straight from the devil. <coughs> Because somebody always cares about you. But you know what you need to do? Put on the glasses of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even if I feel like no one in the world cares for me, God cares for me. Maybe you're in the middle of a long day at work, and right out of nowhere you just sense like a wind. 
You feel him. Anybody ever had that happen? You just feel him walk right into your situation. Maybe you're going through a hard time. There's a situation in your family and some, and you're just, man, you just feel broken and you're praying and you're expressing yourself, and then you just feel him kind of hover over you like a shadow. Amen. Hallelujah. Picture his presence. That's another way to connect to him with your heart. Talk to God, express your heart. Number two, picture his presence. Number three, I want to challenge you to see yourself the way God sees you. See yourself the way God sees you. Not with your eyes, not with the world's eyes, not with your dingbat brother-in-law's eyes, amen. My brother-in-law is not a dingbat, by the way, amen. Thank you, sir. Not with the world's eyes. See yourself the way God sees you. Not the way some backslider sees you. Not the way the person that you struggle with on your job sees you. See yourself the way God sees you. And how does God see you? Psalm 139, 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Woo, hallelujah. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Amen. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Guess what? I'm Mr. Marvelous today. Turn to your neighbor and say, how you doing, Miss Marvelous? You look great today. Tell somebody, say, hello, darling. You look simply marvelous today. <laughs> Did you know that's how God sees you? See, we don't, we don't like to look at ourselves that way. We don't like to be egotistical. We don't like to be proud. God sees you. As his handiwork, as his creation. Never forget that. Hear me. God did something awesome when he made you. Alexis Baker, there's only one of you. And I love you to death. Amen. I'm so glad God made you the way he made you. Rodney Pavey, there's only one of you. Amen. And I love you. And God made you uniquely you. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God made a Rodney Pavey? Aren't you glad that God made somebody like Eddie Wilbur? Aren't you glad that God made somebody like Carl Johnson? Aren't you glad that somebody made, God made somebody like you? Fearfully and wonderfully made. David told us that we were the apple of God's eye in Psalm 17 and 8. You're the apple of God's eye. That, that, that sounds like a southern colloquialism, doesn't it? It sounds like something you'd say in the south. That picture, it actually comes from an old English root word that means the pupil of your eye. Newer translations of the Bible actually translated it that way. It said, keep me as the pupil of your eye. Now, that's not as poetic, but it's true. What's the truth about the pupil of your eye? You will protect it at all costs. If I had a bucket of acid right now, and I came and I ran and I tried to throw it on you, first thing you'd do, you'd cover those eyes. Amen. You wouldn't want to get acid on you anywhere, but you would cover those eyes. And you know what the Scripture says? God looks at us like we are the pupil of his eyes. That's how much he values us. And when you begin to see yourself in that kind of way, as a person that God would sacrifice himself for, which he did, it draws us even closer to him. It makes you able to love God with all your heart. See, when was the last time you really sat down and contemplated your value to God. See, that's what the cross was all about. 
how much God values you and the relationship that he wants to have with you. That value is proclaimed loud and clear when he said it is finished. Amen. See, if you think your value to God is based on how many times you came to church this past month, you're wrong. If you think your value to God is based on how many times you prayed this past week, you missed it. If you think your value to God is how many tithes and offerings dollars you put in the bag, you're missing out on the real meaning of what I'm trying to talk to you about. God said, I love you, and I gave my life for you, and I'm never going to love you any more or any less than I do right now in this moment. See, because it's not based on our works. It's not based on how good we are or how bad we are. He loves us unconditionally. So number one, express yourself. Talk to God. Number two, number two, <laughs> what was number two, amen? <laughs> huh? Picture his presence, amen, amen, amen. Number three, see yourself the way God sees you. Number four, strive for integrity and purity. Now this might seem a little more practical, a little more pastoral, but integrity comes from the word integer. And that word means a whole number, not a fraction. I love that definition. God wants us to be whole and complete, not fractioned. Amen. Not just a part of what he's planned for us to be. That word means the state of being complete or unified. See, when you have integrity, your words and your deeds match up. I am who I am, no matter where I am or who I am with. And hear me, just because an individual might be filling a position in ministry or in leadership, that does not automatically mean that they are a person of character and integrity. Amen? We have to constantly work on our integrity. We repeatedly hear of Christian leaders who have collapses or moral failures because there was something that was fractured. Even if just for a moment, in their integrity. It's been said, and I love this quote, it says, a person of integrity is one who has established an unchangeable system of values against which his entire life is judged. An unchangeable system of values that they live by. One guy was filling out a job application, and they asked him on the application, they said, have you ever been arrested? When the applicant printed on there, he wrote no in that space, right? Well, the next question was a follow-up to the first question. But if you answered no on the first question, you don't have to answer the next question. You know, the answer was, if you wrote yes, the next question is why, weren't, why were you arrested or why? And so he didn't realize he didn't have to fill out that part. So his answer was, well, I guess it's because I never got caught. <laughs> you see, so integrity... It's not what you do or not what you don't get caught doing, right? So much as who we are, it's, it's a hard issue. And who we are determines what we do. And how many of you know that your integrity will always be tested from time to time in various ways? I had a little, little integrity test this week when we were getting ready to check out uh, of, of our hotel. And the lady was there, and we were there, me and my brother-in-law, and we were getting ready to pay our, our bill. And she asked us, she said, uh, did you see the timeshare presentation? Well, the answer was emphatically, no, I've already done that before, amen. Not doing that one again. Praise God. Those guys have integrity issues. 
That's all I'm going to say. Amen. Oh, I promise you it will only be 60 minutes eight hours later. Amen. That actually happened to us one time. That's another story for another sermon. But, but I said, no, we didn't. She goes, oh, well, if you say yes, you get like, it was like 30-some percent off of our bill, hundreds of dollars. There was no follow-up question. All I had to do was say yes, and I was going to save hundreds of dollars. Now, I'm happy to testify today that I did not have an integrity crisis in that moment. I was not tempted to say yes. Amen. So I don't, but it was just that little test in that moment. All you got to do is say yes, and you can save a few hundred dollars today. Amen. And then she was like, then she asked me, well, if you say yes, I can save you. No, we didn't see the timeshare presentation. Nice try, devil. Amen. Didn't work. (laughs) See, your integrity will be tested on the job. It'll be tested at home. It'll be tested everywhere. Integrity is not what we do. It's who we are. We all face daily battles between good and evil. No one, no matter how spiritual, can avoid that battle. It might be an issue of getting a bad attitude or saying something or retaliating or or not forgiving, whatever it is. Integrity is the factor that determines which desires in our life will prevail. We struggle daily with situations that demand decisions between what we want to do and what we ought to do. And when you have integrity, your decisions will come from your heart and not your head. And let me say this. As a matter of fact, if you have integrity, your decisions are already made. And they become a lot easier in the moment. That's why it was no temptation at all. She could offer me $10,000 cash right there. I mean, it wasn't even a temptation because I'm not going to lie. I made that decision a long time. I settled that a long time ago. It's not. See, your integrity will help you in those moments because the decision has already been made. I love what David said, Psalm 101 and 2. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? And notice, I love this, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. In other words, I recognize my integrity starts behind closed doors. My integrity is not who I am when I'm here on the platform or when I'm greeting at the door or when I'm saying, praise the Lord, brother. That's not where it says I will lead a life of integrity at home. I will start at home. He also said in in Psalm 51, 10, create in me a pure heart, God, and don't miss this, make my spirit right again. Do you know why you have to get your spirit right again? Because you got your spirit wrong. (laughs) David said another version, he said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I need you to renew me because I had a bad day yesterday. I need you to renew me because I said something that I shouldn't have said to somebody in a mean spirit. I need you to renew me, God, because what I just did was not very Christ-like. So create in me a clean heart and renew. There it is. See, David's talking to God, talking to God, talking to God. In essence, David was asking what kind of character must a man or woman have to be able to stand before God? And God told him this in Psalm 15, 1 through 5. Look, here's David asking, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? <coughs> who may live on your holy mountain? Here's God's response. The one whose walk is blameless, 
who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slurs on others. Sometimes you just want to stop and go, okay, hold on, Lord. That's a lot. Let me, let me just work on that for a while. Then verse 4, he goes, who despises a vile person but honors those who fears the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken. Wow. Integrity. Integrity. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. That's what happens when you go all in with your heart. Then the last point I want to make, and I'm going to ask the praise team and band to come on up. You've got to seek God passionately. If you want to go all in with all your heart, seek God passionately. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13 said this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. See, a lot of people are trying to do good, but they're only doing it half-heartedly. A lot of Christians, they love Jesus, but they're just going through the motions. They're just getting by. They're just punching the old spiritual time clock. They're just doing the right things, but doing it the wrong way or with the wrong motives. You know, the Bible uses our, the term heart in an immaterial sense. It's, it's talking about really the real you, your spirit man, the, your will, your, your purpose, your intention, your courage. And to do something with all of your heart and with your passion is to make up your mind, I'm going to go forward 100% in my decision without wavering. I'm going to give it all I've got. So the question is, what is the condition of your heart toward God? There was a man in the Bible by the name of Amaziah. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became the ninth king of Judah. He followed in the steps of his father, King Joash. And according to 2 Kings 14 and 3, he, he followed him by doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. But see, that wasn't the end of the story for Amaziah. Amaziah did not serve God with everything that was within him. I want you to notice 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 2 from the NIV. This is what it said about it. It says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. Wow. Did you know you can do the right thing the wrong way? That same verse from the Living Bible, I love how it says it here. It says, He did what was right, but sometimes resented it. I've been around church folks a long time. And I know a whole lot of church people that they love Jesus, but sometimes, don't raise your hands, they kind of resent what they're doing with their life. Man, I love Jesus. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I quit partying. And I never say it out loud. But sometimes I resent the changes I've made in my life. I love Jesus, and they're, and they're writing their tithe check. Oh, man, I could, use, I could sure use this for something else. They're online, they're giving. Would you like to pay the fee? No. You'd just be glad I'm doing what I'm doing. Hallelujah. Do you like living holy? Well, if you really want to know the truth, Rodney and I used to joke, we knew this guy who the Lord saved him. 
And every time he shared his testimony, it was like, yeah, the Lord is so good, and he brought me out of darkness. Let me tell you how dark my life was. And man, he was just like, like the twinkle came back in his eye. When he started telling you about how wicked he was. And Rodney and I used to joke with each other and say, man, we better hold on to that brother tight. Because he, he wants to go back. He, God called him out of Egypt. He's ready to go back. Amen. Folks, don't do the right stuff the wrong way. Don't do the right thing in the wrong spirit. That was Amaziah's problem. He did what his daddy showed him to do. But see, his heart wasn't in it. He hadn't gone all in. He was just doing what he'd been shown to do. And sometimes even in the church world, we'll see that with multi-generations of kids and, and all of a sudden, and it's somewhere along the way, they just got to make their own mind and their own decision. So I want you to stand with me all over this house. Throughout the Bible, the Lord directs us to act with all of our hearts in everything that we do. Seek God with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13, 1 Chronicles 22, 19. Obey Him with all your heart. Deuteronomy 26, 16 through 19, 1 Kings 8, 61. Serve Him with all your heart. Joshua 22, 1 Samuel 12, 2 Chronicles 31. Repent with all your heart. 1 Samuel 7, Joel chapter 2. Love God with all your heart. Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 30, Matthew 22. Rejoice with all your heart. Zephaniah 3, give thanks with all your heart. Psalm 9, Psalm 86. I could go on and on and on. Everything is to be done with a whole heart. See, I don't want my relationship with God to just be something I do flippantly. I want to have a wholehearted devotion to Him. There are two kinds of qualities, inner qualities and external qualities. External qualities you can develop through learning, through training, but inside qualities you've got to develop. And living with all your heart is an inside job. Psalm 139, verse 23. I'm going to open this altar, and this is what I want us to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Now, by the way, if you get if you're bold enough to pray that prayer, be bold enough to receive the answer. Point out anything in me that offends you, God, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Is there anybody bold enough who loves God enough to pray that prayer with me today? Search my heart, God. Test me. Know me. Check my anxious thoughts, all those things that I'm worried about, God. God, you work on those things. Point out anything in me that offends you. What's the level of your heart commitment to God? Do you love, serve, and worship Him with all of your heart? Matthew 15 and 8 said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And then verse 9, he said, Their worship is a farce. I don't want my worship to be a farce. I want it to be real. I want my heart to be close to Him. The team's going to begin to sing. Some of you are already coming to this altar. I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to step out from where you are and take this moment and say, God, I want you to search my heart. And at the beginning of this series, God, I want you to know, I want to go all in. 
If I'm going to be a Christian, I call I'm your name. Lord, you reply. I want to serve you. You bring your your kingdom. Stand by my side. I want to give you everything of life. I want to serve you with all all that I need. And with integrity. Father, you're everything that's precious to me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I call your name. Lord, you reply.
Chris Edelton, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Hallelujah! I call your name. today. Amen. Amen. I want to go all in, don't you? Amen. Uh, I want to encourage you this week. It's not so much, so many times we hear great words from God, 
but it's not just enough to hear them. The Bible says we not only hear, but we live it. We do it, right? We be doers of the word. And so I want to encourage you this week. Figure out ways to live for God and love God with all your heart. Pastor said, talk to God. Picture God's presence. See yourself the way God sees you. Strive for integrity and purity and seek God passionately. And I love that verse from Jeremiah. When you seek God with all your heart, that's when you're going to find him. And so I want to encourage you this week. Look for God with all your heart. Love God with everything you got. And God is going to honor that. And you're going to go all in with Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you, Pastor. One more time. I think the Lord has just done a great thing today. We're excited about what God's doing. Amen. If, you're, if the, today was your first time here at Life Church, we just want to say thank you for being with us today. What an honor it is to have you worship with us and be a part of our services today. If you'll take a moment and fill out the Connect card uh, that's in the seat pocket in, in front of you, uh, take a moment and fill that out. We want to connect with you. We're not trying to harass you or get your information and put it on a, uh, you know, a telemarketing list or anything like that. We just want to be able to connect with you and let you know what's next here at Life Church that you can get involved with and how you can be a part of the great things God's doing here. One quick announcement for our men on uh, Friday night, November the 4th at 630. Our men will be going out to Texas Day Brazil for a wonderful night of a whole lot of meat. And uh, so if there are any men that are vegetarians here, they do have a salad bar, but you will be made fun of and ridiculed. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, the, actually, the salad bar there is probably almost as good as the meat, and you'll enjoy that greatly. But we encourage you to come out and be a part of it. There's a table in the lobby. Uh, Mike McIntyre will be glad to meet you there. We're just trying to get a number so that we can make a reservation and make sure we uh, have enough seats for everybody. Uh, so let them know that you're going to be a part of that event. Uh, this time in our service, we save this moment for our final act of worship. It's a great opportunity for us to connect back to God in a very special way, and that's with our giving. And so I want to encourage you today. The Bible rewards over and over again the people of God when they share generosity. Uh, if you read uh, the, Paul's writing, so many times his letters talk about the value of generosity and how the people of God, when they were generous, how much of an impact it made on the kingdom of God. We see that here at Life Church, and we're so thankful for your generosity because it makes such a difference, not only here in our location, but it makes a difference around the world. This morning in Peru, there's a group of people from Life Church that are having church in a building that's sitting on cinder blocks, and they're there because of your generosity. And so I just want to say thank you for that. And uh, we're going to have a uh, we're going to have great stories to hear for months to come about what God is doing because of your generosity. And so we're thankful for that. And so I encourage you, three ways to give here at Life Church. You can give now in person before you leave. Uh, take one of those envelopes from the seat pocket, drop it in one of the giving centers on your way out. You can give online at liferva.org forward slash give, or you can text the word give to the number that's on the screen. However you do it, I promise you, God rewards faithfulness and generosity. And so we're so thankful today for those of you that are, that, that are faithful and generous. And I encourage you to do that. For those of you that are watching online, thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you for giving into the kingdom of God, even from wherever you are. It's such a blessing to know that there are people who are connecting to us with this act of worship that we're doing today. One more time before we leave, let's pray together, can we? Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence and to celebrate you. Help us, Lord, to embrace the word of God we've heard today and apply it to our life, that we will go all in with you, O oh God, and that we would love with all of our heart. 
Lord, that we would serve you with everything that we have. We thank you for that today, Lord. Today as we give, I pray, Lord, that you would pour out blessings upon your people. God, as they faithfully and generously give into your kingdom, use them for your glory. We'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here at Life Church today. Have a great, great day.